following is a recording of a sermon given at All Saints Lutheran Church in Ottawa, Canada. For additional messages and more information, visit allsaintslutheran.ca. Today's scripture reading is from Matthew chapter 24, verses 1 to 44. Jesus left the temple and was going away, when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. But he answered them, You see all these, do you not? Truly, I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. As he said on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. And you will hear the wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place. But the kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you to the tribulation and put you to death, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, then let those who are in Judea flood to the mountain, flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down to take what is in his house. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be a great tribulation, such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now. No, and never will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Then if ever anyone says to you, Look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For, cross, for false Christ and false prophets will arise from the platform to perform great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray if possible, and even elect. See, I have told you beforehand, so if they say to you, Look, he is in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say, Look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the, cor the corpse is, there vultures will gather. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. And the stars will not fall from heaven, the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven a sign 
of the Son of Man. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with powerful, will power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. From the fig tree learns its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and pulls out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day and no hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be coming the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, there were eating, drinking, marrying, and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah had entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. There two women will be grinding the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. Therefore stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, if the master of the house has known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have left the house be broken into. Therefore, you should. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Thank you for that. Robin uh, whispered something to me just before she started, and she thought it might be good for me to say when I said that I only that only the word of God is true, that I do believe in such things as gravity, for example. Um, I was I was thinking about that. Of course, I believe in gravity. Watch, like I believe in gravity. But do we know everything there is to know about gravity? It's one of the things we hear at this time about science, and it's something that's become, shouldn't be controversial, that science is an ongoing inquiry until uh, into the makeup of the material world. And the more they discover about things, it seems the more they discover the, the things they don't know, and there becomes more things to discover. And God, in his wisdom, has created a creation that's so complex that while in his grace he allows us to discover things that become quite useful for us, things need to stay open to inquiry and further discovery so that we understand it um, more than we did in the past. We need to be willing to adjust our understanding about things. And that's true, too, for how we understand the scriptures. But God is true in a way that nothing else is true. And his word is true in a way that nothing else is true. There is a certain kind of dependability that we have in our relationship to God and his word that human investigation into how things work 
it's not it's not actually the same thing. The human inquiry has to be tentative. God's word is is absolutely true. We could discuss this more if you like, and we'll talk about it in the car probably, which is a good thing to do. Um, because while the word of God is absolutely true, my understanding of it is still work in progress. And uh, we're looking at a topic that I believe should have been more work in progress uh, than how a lot of people have treated it. And that is for the next little while, and the more I look into this, I don't know how long the series is going to take, but we're looking into the topic of the end times. I explained last week that what's normally called the end times and, and is more accurately, in English anyway, better translation of the Hebrew and the Greek should be referred to as the last days, is the lead up is the lead up period to what the Bible refers to as the end of the age. The end of the a uh, and the end of the age is the transition. They really shouldn't be walking around here because there's wires here. So if the parents can watch the kids, they don't do that, that would be helpful. Um, the the end of the age is the transition into what the Bible calls the age to come, when the Lord will return, judge, in, bring in the resurrection of the dead. I might be getting the order wrong. Um, that's his business. And he sets everything to right. And peace will reign. There'll be no sickness, no more war, and so on. We looked at that in detail last time. And so there was an understanding that there would be a transition period which the Bible refers to as the last days or the latter days. And according to the scripture, that time period began when the Lord came the first time. We've been in the last days ever since then. Uh, and so it's been this time period has been rightly called the now but not yet we experience the power of God in a way that was never experienced before the Lord Jesus came through the outpouring of his spirit. We can know forgiveness of sin. We have fellowship with God. We can proclaim the word of God. And the nations of the world are hearing the truth about the God of Israel and are turning to him and have been turning to him by the billions. These are marks of this special time the Bible refers to as the last days. Somebody did send me a question. I've been asking people for questions. I'm really sorry, but he's walking around. There's wires here, and that's not that not going to be a good scene. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Um, what was I just saying? We all forget. Okay. Time about the last days, right? Yeah, I said that. Then I said what? Huh? Can't hear. Thank you. Uh, so somebody sent me a question. I've been asking people for questions. Why am I calling the series the end times if I showed in the scriptures it really should be called the last days or the latter days? And I'm using the term because that's the common term that's used. And it's not a bad term. It has a little bit, when we say... Uh, the end times, it sounds a little bit more like a point in time as opposed to something that's longer, which last days could do the same thing. I'm using the more familiar term and explaining, and I explain actually 
probably not the best translation, but it is what people say, so we're going to stick with that. I might change my mind as we go along. Um, so most of Matthew 24 was just read to us, and it culminates with a very strong statement by Jesus uh, in verse 20. Uh, in, uh, let's see. Yeah, near the end of what was read, we don't know the time. So if anybody, at the time of his return, if anybody claims to know the time and is telling people when he's going to come back, don't believe them because they don't know. Then in verse 42 of chapter 24, after Jesus has explained uh, the, the difficulties of time, and I explained last time how he's answering two questions about the destruction of the temple that happened in 70 AD and about his return, and he kind of puts it all together. Uh, but he is preparing people for the time period that is to come of trouble and not to be distracted by it. And, and then he, and along with that, he makes a statement, therefore, verse 42 of chapter 24, therefore, here's how we're to relate to this time period. And it's the beginning of various illustrations and mainly parables that are to teach us how we are to, to live in light of the fact that we're in this latter-day time period, this time between the times as we wait for his return. He begins chapter 24, verses 43 and 44 with this idea of the thief in the night. We knew when the thief was coming, we'd, we'd be ready for him. And so stay awake, stay alert. And that's a, a very important theme all the way through. Then he goes on with these parables. There's the faithful servant, then the ten bridesmaids. And those two we're going to be looking at, God willing, if we have time this morning. And then next week, and, may, and not too sure how I'm going to do it yet, we're going to look at what's called the parable of the talents, talents being money, and the sheep and the goats, which are all in chapter 25. Bye. Um, and so these are very important teachings by the Lord to equip his people, that's us, in knowing how to relate to the time that we're in as we're waiting for him to return. We've got to be careful when we look at parables. Parables are not uh, written as what's called allegory. Allegory is when you have a story where each character, each element refers to something specific. In a parable, a parable is a story that has meaning to it and to give us an impression of something. And it's not necessary that each element in the story refers to something in particular. So we're going to continue from what was read. Um, in Matthew 24, I'm picking it up at verse 45. This is the parable of the faithful servant. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites in that place. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
So in this parable, Jesus has this picture, two servants, a faithful and wise servant, and then a foolish servant. One might get the impression that he's talking about leadership here, people who are responsible for others, people who have been called to be responsible for, for to look after things and people. But it may not necessarily be referring to leaders. This may not be a word to leaders. It certainly includes people that have been given significant responsibility, but he's talking, he's using an illustration of servants who are responsible for people and things and their behavior. And one is blessed for his behavior, the other one is actually cursed for his behavior. The one who is blessed is the one who is doing what he's supposed to be doing, whether his master is there watching, whether his master is there or gone away. And notice there is this hint already that of the idea of how should we live if we sense our Lord is taking a long time in returning. That's already here before he's even left. We're given a hint that there's going might be this issue of he's been gone for a very long time. What does that mean? And we're being warned, don't be put off by an apparent delay. Keep doing what you're supposed to be doing. And I've talked before about this very important word in the Bible, blessed. To be blessed is to be filled with the potential for life. It's to be filled with life. It's to be filled with God. And so when Jesus says that the one who keeps doing the things that he's supposed to be doing and, and uh, is not distracted by the delay, is not taking advantage of the fact that it looks like the boss isn't around, isn't going to come back for a while, that person is blessed. He's not only blessed because of the reward that he will receive eventually, he's walking in the dynamics of real living. To be blessed by God, we have the Beatitudes earlier in this Gospel, the Gospel of Matthew, blessed are the poor in spirit and so on. The people that are truly experiencing life in the way that it's supposed to be lived are the people that are like the wise and faithful servant. The people that are taking advantage of the apparent delay and the boss isn't really watching. Those people, they think they're living, but they're actually the walking dead. They are not really living the life of God. And there will be an outcome for both of these people. I mentioned already about the blessed one. There's a very strong warning to the one who's taking advantage of the apparent delay. First of all, they're being warned about what's happening in their lifestyle. They're giving themselves over to being self-centered. They become aggressive towards others. This is not living, pleasure-seeking. Who they're hanging out with, it's not healthy for them, it's not good for them. And notice that when we live a life that is not in sync with the Lord and paying attention to who he is and what he's calling us to do, the Lord makes a promise to those people. Remember, God's promises are not simply for those who obey him. There are promises for the people who neglect him, for people who disobey him. 
guarantees. Everybody gets a guarantee in this that you can count on. And the guarantee to the foolish servant, they will be caught off guard. There are people that actually think, I'll get, I'll, I'll do my business with the Lord eventually, but right now i got to do this, that, and the other thing. That attitude, it's been guaranteed by God. You think you'll be able to get with the program. You will not be able to. You are digging a pit that you will fall into, guaranteed. Those who are taking advantage of, oh, it doesn't seem the Lord is noticing. He's taking a long time getting back. I'm going to get with, I will deal with him later on. Will be called to account, not just in, at his coming, but in the outcome of their lives day by day. And notice, this is a hell passage. This is a hell passage. Got all these papers here. What did I, I put right here? The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, in an hour he does not know. And will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Pretty serious. Pretty serious. Remember, it starts happening now. We read um, recently in Romans 1, when we turn away from God, it applies to believers and non-believers, when we turn away from God, God gives us over to our desires and we become corrupt. It's a real thing. I'll try to do this quickly. Matthew 25, verses 1 to 13. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out and meet him. Come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. There it is again. We can't get this thing figured out. Therefore, we have to treat every day as if he might come now. And we need to be properly prepared. The foolish ones were not prepared. They thought they can get away with not being prepared. But they learned the lesson the hard way. They learned the lesson when it was too late. These virgins, uh, the Greek word here in this passage, it's, it's pretty clear. They're, they're bridesmaids, they're maidens that were serving as part of, of very lengthy uh, wedding preparations and the customs of the day. And scholars discuss, like, try, they try to figure out exactly um, what those customs were. We don't know exactly, but it's not really the point. The point is very, very clear. There are those that are prepared for, the, for his coming and those who are not prepared for the Lord's coming. Like we think we could leave the house with just a little bit of gas, but we, ha we have a rule in our ho household 
that when it's a quarter tank, you got to fill it. And I've not always done that myself. And now we've got technology where we could look up how much, you know, um, uh, mileage is left before we need the tank filled and all the rest. We think we're so smart. We think we can leave things to the last minute. But the Lord is telling us, no, you need to be prepared. You need to have um, a, um, a spiritual fitness plan. If we don't have a proper spiritual fitness plan, if we're not reading the Bible regularly, we're not praying regularly, we're not confessing our sins regularly, we're not forgiving others regularly, we're not um, um, asking for forgiveness regularly, we're not dealing with our stuff, we just let it go, we're putting things under the rug, we think we could just do the things we've always done and, and, and somehow we're going to get a different result eventually. It doesn't work, it's never worked, it's not going to work. We need to walk with the Lord and stay close to Him. We need to be hearing His voice. We need to be obeying Him. And those are the people that can expect a welcome when the Lord returns. If we take advantage of the situation, we think we can get away with a little bit of gas in our tank, I'm, I'm fine. And you know, as you know, we've been in all sorts of different church communities and we've been enriched by that and various kinds of theological teachings. But, you know, to think that the term grace, such a wonderful Bible word, has been used to let people off the hook. It doesn't really matter what you do. Just kind of say a prayer and go to church and, and, and sing a song and you're just going to be fine. That is not Bible. That is not. We, we looked in First John and it doesn't say that at all. We need to be walking closely with the Lord and keep short accounts with him and with other people. Or else we're going to be gobbled up by the spirit of the age. We're going to be caught off guard and it will be too late. It's not a negative message. It's a positive message because the Bible, God's word has warned us and it's given us everything we need to know so that we can be part of the great celebration when the Lord returns. And that's just going to be the beginning of an existence that is beyond comprehension. And it's available to everyone and anyone if we're willing to give our lives to him. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your goodness to us and for your true grace that not only invites us to be your children, but empowers us to be your children. Father, forgive us if there have been any ways we've taken you for granted, where we've ignored you, where there's elements in our lives where we think that's off limits or they're hopeless. God, help us to be patient with your process in our lives. Help us be patient with ourselves. Bring us out of hiding. Bring us out of the darkness into your wonderful light that we might walk with you in these days, in these confusing days, in these noisy days. May we walk closely with you, hearing your word and obeying you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. For additional messages and more information, please visit us on the web at allsaintslutheran.ca.